0: Hello again, Rabbi. Hello, Joe. I'm always interested. I have uh, friends, some of them family members, who are strictly literal interpreters of what they call the Old Testament, and you call the Bible, but it's all the Bible. And the the earth is 5,000 years old, or give or take, and that... Uh, uh, Jesus built the pyramids uh, with the help of the dinosaurs, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And and it's interesting to me that they can pick and choose which things make sense and which don't make sense uh, uh, according to their personal beliefs. But some of these things are very firmly founded inside of them. And uh, it's always an interesting experience when we talk about it. What's been your experience with? Uh...
1: Certainly. Just to clarify some terms, the word Bible is a plural word. Biblia it means books. So there is no such thing as, a, as Bible. We take all the books and print them in one binding, call it Bible. But keep in mind, it's books. There's Hebrew scripture and Greek scripture, Old Testament and New Testament different ways to designate sets of those books. as the Apocrypha, there's a Pseudepigraphia. There's just different terms that we use for them, so that, uh, but it's all the same. Whether, what edition, we look at translations, but we have the original text. Joe, I want you to think of Humpty Dumpty. No doubt you picture an egg sitting on a wall, but knowing you, you probably see an egg smashed at the bottom of the wall into little pieces. I'm thinking, when I say Humpty Dumpty, I don't think of you as the egg on the wall guy. I think of you as the omelet on the foot of the wall kind of guy.
0: Well, I do like a good omelet.
1: That's because Humpty has been depicted as an egg for hundreds of years. Despite the fact that the actual rhyme never refers to him as one. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. No mention of an egg, none whatsoever.
0: Well, but now it, my reality shattered, oh. along with the egg.
1: <laughs> well, it's thanks to Lewis Carroll in the 1872 novel, Through the Looking Glass, Chapter six of the book is entitled Humpty Dumpty, and in the book Humpty is an egg. That's where it comes from. So that's fairly new, 1872. Now do a little history. According to war historians, Humpty Dumpty was not an egg, nor a chicken, nor a person, but a cannon. A very large cannon used in the English Civil War. So we go to 1648, the siege of Colchester. And the rhyme came about because as Colchester was under siege, one of the cannons from the attacking side managed to destroy the wall that a much larger cannon was sitting on. That big cannon was named Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty came tumbling down. And due to its massive size, none of the king's horses, none of the king's men were ever able to bring it back up on the wall or get it firing again. So the cannon had a nickname. And then when the wall fell, when they hit it, the cannon broke and the defenders could not reinstate it. 1648. Now it's an egg. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Kind of harmless. What difference does it make? You know, Joe, are you familiar with the camp song? There was a farmer who had a dog.
0: Bingo was his name. Or Bingo was his name.
1: Was Bingo the farmer or the dog? Everyone is, what was it? And Bingo, there was a farmer had a dog and Bingo was his name. Oh, well, was it the farmer or the dog that was named Bingo?
0: Well, there you go. That's the problem with using pronouns.
1: (laughs) And that's a problem with our thinking when we lock on. Everyone who have said that to takes issue and demands it's the dog. Don't know. You can't say, you could say it's either one. Can't. Doesn't say. Bingo was his name. Either the dog or the man. Again, That's like Humpty Dumpty, so you believe in this. But I'm using those as examples because I know people that will fight me to the mat about Humpty Dumpty and about Bingo. And the latest was the golf ball hit by lightning. And it's really a neat video on YouTube and the young man shying back. And I have to hand it to Darwin, a young man holding a metal rod in a lightning and thunderstorm deserves some kind of an award. I don't know what award he deserves, but he's lucky that he didn't attract the lightning instead of the ball. Well, everyone's raving about, oh, look, the ball was hit by lightning, da 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 Unfortunately, that's not the case. Behind the ball, because of the rain, and the coloring, you can't see the light, the tower that lit up the driving range. And some scientists started doing some work on it, started doing some screening. And when lightning strikes, it goes to ground. Lightning just doesn't dissipate in the air. And there was no trace coming down from the ball. The lightning actually hit the flagpole or the light pole behind, it was directly lined up. So from the eye, it appeared, well, all over the net. People are going to the mat because they want to believe that the ball was hit by lightning. Kind of fun. If you start by admitting it's just kind of fun, like Humpty Dumpty's a cannon and not an egg. And bingo was the farmer's name, not the dog. To go to war? But people are fighting over something that trivial. Now, Joe, to your question. And the Lord... God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it, for on the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Joe, what was the tree?
0: Uh, The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what
1: have artists been painting since the beginning of time?
0: Apple trees.
1: Where does the word apple appear? Where Where did you get the idea? Where did it come from? The idea of an apple.
0: Uh, parochial school? Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Exactly.
1: <laughs> and this is, this is the, the text. The text doesn't say. Now, our scholars have done a little research. When St. Jerome was translating scripture into the Vulgate. He had several options pre, pre, like you say, pre, pre means the fruit of. So the Hebrew word where it says the, the tree of is the Hebrew word pre, which means fruit of. He had a wonderful idea of making a Latin pun. And of course, except those of us that went to Catholic school, not many people know, the, know Latin, but he translated it as pre malus, which has two, preas malus. So Latin, we have two different meanings. As an adjective, malus means bad or evil, but as a noun, it means apple. <laughs> and so you think Jerome made a pun in Latin and he, it was really brilliant. Because he knew, it didn't say what kind of fruit it was. But since it was a tree of good and evil, knowledge of good and evil, why not pick the Latin word that means bad or evil? And then it also can mean uh, pumila, pumila, uh, malus uh, pumila. Um, And that's an apple tree. So the word came to be developed into apple only later. Malice. So wonderful for St. Jerome. And people are willing to put other individuals on the rack because it's an apple tree. Not.
0: When in reality, Genesis was the first humor magazine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, people always say that what pun is the lowest form of humor. Is that, is it pun? Yes. Yes. So St. Jerome is on the ladder of humor. He's on the first rung, but at least he's on the humor ladder and he made a joke. Yeah. Now, this is more serious than Humpty, more serious than a golf ball, more serious than Bingo, because people have actually been murdered, killed because someone locked on to a meaning or belief in the text that's just not there in the text. Rather than letting the text speak to us, they have a preconceived notion, an idea, and it's here that cognitive dissonance kicks in. You have this idea in your head. You've believed it your whole life. Now someone comes and tells you that that's not accurate, and there's evidence to demonstrate it. You go into this state of cognitive dissonance, and this is critical because you have a choice. You can kill the piano player, Or you can stop and say, wait a minute, I'm going to go back and read scripture again. It doesn't say the name of the fruit. huh?" And we don't even have to go into St. Jerome and, and we want the derivative. We can just go and see, oh, okay, it doesn't. And if you want to make a guess, it would be fig because later on Adam and Eve make clothes out of fig leaves. So if you want to make an educated guess, They maybe use the same leaves to make their garments as the fruit that they ate. Okay, but again, as you're pointing out, no religion is immune. And even atheists and agnostics, everyone participates in this, having an idea coming from the text and then killing others willing to go to the mat. And I just want to point out, it's an alert. This is a warning. When that happens, cognitive dissonance, we go into a state of cognitive dissonance and it's up to us to stop and say, huh, I'm being presented with knowledge that contradicts what I've believed since I was a child. Let me do some research. Let me look at it. Rather than the knee-jerk reaction of killing the piano player, stopping the messenger, because I don't want to hear it. And that's our first defense is we don't want to, be challenged cognitively. You don't want to be challenged. So we're going to stop the challenge. Okay, I feel it coming on. Now that you're alert to it, you stop for a moment and go, wait a minute, I feel that. Let me look at the text. What does the Hebrew word say? What does the English word say? What translation am I using? Where did I get the idea that Humpty Dumpty was an egg? Where did I get the idea that a golf ball could be hit in midair by lightning and there's, it doesn't ground? It's not science. Where did I get that? Okay. And so we want to, and that's my advice for today, and advice for all of those, it's not so much being a literalist. I'm, we'll look at being a literalist later. This is taking something that's not there and believing it. A literal interpretation. I I want to spend another time with that because that is a little different approach and a different topic.
0: No, but it's similar because I always get an interesting expression on people's faces when I uh, ask them, "Did uh, God tell Abraham to kill Isaac or to kill his firstborn son?" Uh, and then we the discussion about who was is Isaac's Abraham's firstborn son goes in and then everybody goes, wow, really? I never thought of it that way.
1: Right, uh, because one of the things we want to do is, is get in us, all of us from getting beliefs and lockstep into something and then having very bad behavior and hurting other people rather than saying, hey, bingo could either be the name of the farmer or the dog. Huh, it could be Ishmael, it could be Isaac. Which which one was God commanding? Hmm, the text isn't clear, but we have two different traditions and they both write because I don't know if Bingo was a farmer or Bingo was a Labrador Retriever.
0: Well, I do know that dog don't hunt down here when you're around, Rabbi, to keep us on the straight and narrow. Thank you so much as always. And you're welcome. And I
1: look forward to another discussion with you, Joe.